0: Hi, my name is Alad Gross. Welcome to the Alad Pod, an online uncensored town hall program designed to bring our government back to you. Every episode is a recording of our live show with special guests and questions asked by audience members like you. Today, we are joined by Vicki Anglin, Democratic candidate for Missouri State Treasurer and formerly a member of Missouri's state house. We talk about her plans for the office and what the treasurer can do for our state. Welcome to the a lot pod. Very excited to have you.
1: Well, I'm excited to be here, and hopefully, you know, a lot of people will remember how to say a lot
0: because it rhymes with pod. See, that was the hope so behind it. It hasn't worked out yet, but maybe, maybe one day our dreams will all come true. <laughs> but that would be it's great. Well, Vicky, you are running for uh, treasurer of the state of Missouri, which is very exciting. Uh, for uh, you know, I've gotten some questions that have come in before the show. And probably the most common one is, uh, what is a treasurer for a state? I think a lot of folks would love to know that. Um, So if you could, I mean, could you, one, introduce yourself a bit to everybody, uh, but two, let them know uh, what is a treasurer and why is a treasurer important for our state?
1: Sure. So thank you so much uh, for allowing me to be here on the Allowed Pod. I'm very excited sure. to be here. Uh, yes, I often get that question about what the heck is the treasure. And I like to think it, there's a big treasure chest full of gold and that all the treasure has to do is just go there and sit on it.
0: But uh-huh.
1: uh, it, that's not really what this it's like. This is like, like. a but rainbow at cool. the end cool of that. it kind of thing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 exactly. Yeah. Um, so, a little bit of background on me, um, my name is Vicki Englund, I'm the Democratic nominee for state treasurer, as you know. I was elected to the Missouri House uh, a long time ago, back in 2008, um, that was when politics was very different, It uh, we had leaders, we had people who knew what they were doing running for office, and uh, it was a much different time. So, I ran for office. Uh, in for South St. Louis County, and so for those of you South Countyans like myself, um, it's the Oakville Melville area. Um, and for those of you who aren't from South County, it's the area you that you would cross over the Jefferson Barracks Bridge to get to Illinois. So there's a big bridge down south get across to Illinois. That's the district. Um, So I was elected to that seat in 2008. It was a Republican open seat for state rep. So we flipped that seat. So yay, flipping Mm -hmm. seats is a good thing. Um, The Republican woman that I beat that year, she beat me in 2010. I beat her in 2012. She beat me in 2014. And I came about 400 votes shy of winning in 2016. So uh, in the middle of all that, I was redistricted out of my district. So I moved. uh, And I also ran and served on the Lindbergh School Board for six years, uh, which is where I went to high school and where two of my three children currently go to high school, uh, virtually, of course. So Mm -hmm. I guess you could say, um, you know, politics has been my thing for a while. I worked on a lot of campaigns before I ran for office myself. I used to work for the Clinton administration in Washington, D.C., and, um, you know, my background kind of meshes really, really well with what the treasurer does. So we talked about the treasurer as being the CFO or the chief financial officer of the state, and so what that typically means is making sure that the bills get paid, um, investing taxpayer dollars uh, before the legislature and the governor can spend it. Um, So that's a really important role because right now your taxpayer dollars are being invested in companies that you may or may not have agreements with like Walmart, for example, Mm -hmm. and we can go into that in a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And the treasure also does sort of a, potpourri or miscellaneous types of things. Like the treasurer sits on the Missouri Housing Development Commission. So you're talking about overseeing low-income housing tax credits and other housing programs. You're talking about um, the treasurer does college 529 savings accounts uh, for, for students. And so I'm the first in my family to go to college. I'm an advocate for public education and all education, so that's important to me. Uh, We could talk about the unclaimed property division, which is what got me interested in the treasurer's office in the first place. Mm -hmm. Uh, The treasurer also sits on the MOSERS board, which is the retirement board for state employees. Also sits on the Missouri Arts Council, the Missouri Historical Society board. Lots of random kinds of things. Um, And now, as a result of COVID, the treasurer's office... Actually receives a wire from Washington, DC for the federal government with billions of dollars of CARES Act funding. So the treasurer is the one who gets that big old pot of money and definitely has some say on how it's distributed. So that is a new and more relevant thing. And I guess the last thing I mentioned that we could talk about too is small business and agricultural loans. That's kind of another component uh, which fits well with my SBA background. So yeah. I hope I made that sound as exciting as it really is.
0: I mean, I'm really excited about it. I think it sounds great, but you know, then again, I do a show on Missouri politics and how government works. So, you know, you might have some selection uh, bias that. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've got some people who are watching already, you know, folks from Patterson, Missouri. That's great. Uh, been through there a few times and, uh, No, that's wonderful. St. Charles, KC. So this is good. It sounds like there's a lot of folks around the state who are interested in how it's working. And I think part of, you know, part of the reason why uh, we're seeing some problems in our state government, as some of our uh, viewers are already uh, uh, mentioning, is because, you know, a lot of, we don't have as much engagement as we need. And of uh, all the people, really, many of the people that I know in Missouri, you're one of the best folks at getting more people into these kinds of things. And, you know, I think the state treasurer, I mean, certainly a really important office. Could, could you talk, I mean, a bit about, um, you know, I, I know you mentioned the, the um, state treasurer's office's involvement with, you know, some of the investments for the state, but you mentioned um, some of the deals that the state is making. Um, could you talk a a bit more about that for folks who are maybe a little bit less familiar with what that looks like, um, and what that really means for Missouri and Missourians?
1: Sure. So, um, we have a lot of general revenue in the state, right? And so instead of just kind of putting it in a bank account or savings account until it's spent, we need to invest that money proactively. And so, um, What I would do as state treasurer when thinking about and figuring out what kinds of businesses and companies to invest that money in, I want to do things that we haven't done before. Number one, we need to look at the statements, the financial and corporate policy statements of those companies, and we need to review them for things like diversity and inclusion. You know, are we taking – Missouri dollars and investing them in a company that recognizes, for example, that Black Lives Matter, recognizes that inclusion and diversity are important, um, or at least as important as I think they are. We Mm -hmm. also need to review those corporate statements for sustainability. Look, I don't have to tell anybody watching this podcast how important it is uh, for sustainability, climate change, all of those things we're doing. And as taxpayers, your dollars need to be focused on places where the social impact is almost just as important as the financial impact. Mm-hmm. Of course, the, the kinds of investments that need to happen also need to be a sound financial investment as well. And right now, we're not, our treasurer is not really looking into that kind of thing. And, you know, these companies need to have good labor practices. You know, if, when we start talking about, um, I have 100 ideas uh, on my website, 100 ideas on how to get Missouri's economy back on track. And I'm releasing one of those ideas every day for the last 100 days of the campaign. And one of those ideas has to do specifically with not investing your money into companies like Walmart because, you know, whether you buy stuff there or not, they don't pay their employees a living wage. And what happens is when Walmart hires people in the state, They're paid such a low amount that there's a higher propensity for those employees to need state social services. They they are going to need more Medicaid. They're going to need more um, supplemental income. So Mm -hmm. that's part of the problem. Why, as a state, if we're investing in those companies, it actually is going to cost us more money in the long run. And that also is what the treasurer's office is about. It's about being smart with the people's money.
0: Mm Mm-hmm mhm i mean we 're at a, we're at a time right now where you know the uh, especially from the governor 's office from the legislature we 're talking about cutting the budget, cutting services, cutting all of these things, uh but you know when you 're not putting your money where it's supposed to go uh it's you got less money to deal with in the first place, and uh yeah, I mean I, you know the first thing I thought of when when you started mentioning the investment practices was certainly you know, the, the labor practices around that and the companies that are being supported. And, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know how many folks really know right now where our state's money, our money as taxpayers is really being invested. Um, you know, it would, it would be nice to have some more transparency around all of that.
1: You know, and there's stuff like you could on, you know, government reports. Oh, did mm-hmm. I get stuck? Okay there. I'm not stuck. Um, You can drill down. But the whole point, too, is to make this information not just accessible, like not just a link somewhere buried on a website, to be talking about it like we're doing right now. And, um, you know, to engage people and to let them know that the treasurer's office can do a lot more. And that's kind of the other piece. You know, um, the treasurer's office is not something that's in the limelight or sexy as governor or lieutenant governor, all these other offices. But if you take an economic development approach with the treasurer's office, I mean, what we're doing right now is the exact type of thing I want to do as treasurer, which is having webcasts and podcasts about how to sell things online. And in part of my history, which I also didn't mention, is that I started a business back in 1999, selling, selling things online. And so even before COVID happened, my goal as treasurer was to help small businesses go to that next level go to that level of having a wider market to sell their items or to promote their business. And a lot of small businesses, and I've been working with small businesses for at least 20 years, Mm -hmm. most of the time people start a small business because they're passionate Mm -hmm. about whatever thing they're doing. They're not passionate about the bookkeeping and the marketing. you know. So we really need to provide those skills. And because I've been doing this for a long time, it also ties in with What I mentioned before about the unclaimed property. So, the treasurer's office is the custodian of unclaimed property. What that means is if you have an apartment, let's say, and you had to put down a deposit on the electrical uh, panel for that, when you moved out of that apartment, your power company has that deposit and they're supposed to give that back to you. Well, if you've moved and they can't find you, they have mm. to give that money after a couple years to the treasurer's office, and then the treasurer tries to find you to give your money back. Uh, in addition, the treasurer also gets um, the contents of safe deposit boxes. So if you're at a bank, and not a lot of people do this, but a lot of older people do, they put their their grandmother's pearl necklace in there. They put you know, their baseball card collection. They put coins, uh, lots of things that they want to keep. And when that person passes on and the bank cannot find where to send those contents. Those contents go to the treasurer's office. And so the treasurer's office has thousands of items every year. They have an in-person auction. Maybe 100 people come. I went to the one last year. And they try to auction the stuff off. Well, why not sell that stuff online, especially mm-hmm. during a global global pandemic when we shouldn't be getting together in a big uh, hotel ballroom um, and buying things for pennies on the dollar? Why not sell it to the world I've been doing uh, for my business for all these years,
0: do people, do people sell things online? Is that a thing
1: that people do? I, yes. Yes. You know? In fact, they do.
0: Yeah. And they like, buy
1: things online too.
0: Who knew? <laughs> who, right. Who, who knew you could do that? Yeah. Especially since, uh, I, I know, I know some municipalities are selling stuff online right now too when they possess it. So, uh, yeah, that, that sure, sure seems like it would make a whole lot of sense. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting uh, for small businesses in Missouri, there's you know there's an organization that oftentimes polls folks there and see how they're doing. And uh, over the last many years, small businesses have rated the government's responsiveness to them as not being very good at all, and having a lot of dissatisfaction with government. Whereas we do see you know you talk you hear a governor or, or somebody in the legislature talking about oh developing business and making this good for business and in brain fo- those are always the bigger businesses that are already doing really really well and oftentimes the small businesses do get ignored
1: well, so i know you mentioned some secret you should know on that topic. oh there's a secret so the code. reason why the the reason why they care about the big businesses mm-hmm. is because they give them campaign contributions i'm just saying
0: yeah i'm just heard yeah, i guess, you know you know <laughs> Don't sure. tell anybody. Just between yeah. You and me. Yeah, let's, uh, let's make sure nobody knows that <laughs> while we're <laughs> broadcasting live. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, look. There was just um, oh goodness, where was it? Was it in in maybe it was in Springfield? There was somebody. I think they just put out. Um, mm, I can't remember, but it was it was a a town. Uh, maybe some. Maybe it was a representative who was saying it's it's now time for the state to start collecting, uh, tax on, on those, you know, the, 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 the deals that are being made online and the sales and everything else, because right now, Mm yeah, yeah. Because in Missouri right now, I mean, I've seen this all over in, in in different counties throughout the state where they are at a massive disadvantage, small businesses that are located within our state and Mm -hmm. retailers are located within our state compared to those, um, that are selling online that might not even be here. And it's decimating so much 100 ideas. yeah, it's one of the one hundred ideas too, for sure, yeah, oh great, well, you know what let's let's go look at let's take a look at these one hundred ideas. You said you've got them on a website. we're talking about websites anyway. we could put stuff up on there, so can we do that? Can we go take ch- take a look at your website?
1: I think we can. I think okay. you have the power.
0: I have the power, I have the power all right let's go let's go do this together, all right. So, wow. Look at that. Your website's already up there. It's almost like somebody knew what they were going to be doing at some point. Hey, oh, yeah. you know, I can do for everybody who's watching, like I, I, I'm working very hard while this is all going on. I've got like a different monitor. I'm trying to move some stuff around and get it set up so we can have a good show, you know? So I'm hoping this is entertaining at least a little bit, but this, so this is, this is your campaign website. Correct? Yep. Okay. Great. Just make sure, you know, I'm a lawyer. Have to verify the evidence that we have in front of us. I don't want you to be on a spam website. There are those out there, folks. Make sure to check that you are on the correct one because this one's. Well, if I smile
1: just right and tilt my head, (laughs) you can see the resemblance. My hair is a little different.
0: (laughs) There it is. (laughs) So, okay, so on here, folks can obviously, they can find a way to, to get involved with your campaign, which is always very ha- helpful. They can learn more about you. Uh, there's the About button, which is always great. Um, and so you've got your 100 ideas, right? So we can click on that one? Well, we have almost all of them. Yes, a new okay. one every day. Right, right, yes. right. That's that's the 100, 100 one up, up top here. So I'll go ahead and click on mm-hmm. All right, great. And so it takes us over here. Okay. All right. And so this is the page. All it right. What, what made you come up with? So, you know, I, I mean, we mentioned this earlier at the very beginning. It was my first question about the state treasurer, and so many folks don't know uh, really what it does. But what made you, I mean, I love the idea, but what made you come up with this idea of having uh, 100 ideas to share for this office with Missourians?
1: You know, I think it's sort of a culmination of my kind of residual legislator-ness, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're a legislator and you're running and you're serving and you're like, oh, I really, you know, I really think this is a great idea. And, you know, one of my biggest pet peeves as a person and as a legislator in particular is when you have legislators that go to Jeff City and they have these ideas and they're these, they think they're great, but they're mm-hmm. an they're a solution in search of a problem, Yeah. Right. So, like, I didn't want to do that with this campaign. Um, and given the nature of how COVID just kind of came crashing into all of our worlds a few months ago, mm-hmm. it, um, you know, it really gave me an opportunity because the our economy was not as clearly as bad in February and January as it is right now. Yeah. And so when that started, you know, crashing, it was like, okay, okay well, what can we do about it? You know, what could the treasurer do about it? And so, this was just some of the ideas, our legislation that I've already um, introduced when I was a legislator. Some of them are just things that um, reading a lot, which I read a lot, um, things that you know, other states might be doing because I actually, my my race has been targeted by the National Democratic Treasures Association as one of their top three Democratic pickups this year. And so that led me to be looking at other treasurers and seeing what they're doing to try to get through COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I'm a big proponent of Franklin Roosevelt, and he believed that the states um, should go through bold, persistent experimentation. And so, you know, there's no reason why when you're in a crisis that's not when you start reinventing the wheel. So I'm a big proponent of looking at how other places are doing things. And so that just kind of was, I guess, the idea for it. Mm-hmm. And then it also gave me a chance to really find good solutions, right? Like I could think, oh, maybe this is a good idea. But then when I do some research, maybe it's not as great of an idea as I thought. Or maybe, you know, so that's what I think a good leader and a good statewide um person who's governing the state should do is to pull those ideas and pull that data so that way well, you're not just saying something because you think it makes you sound good.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, uh, you know, we have a state treasurer, but you're right. I mean, lots of other states have treasurers too. And it's it's good. I mean, it's good to be connected to those different ideas that are happening in different places and bring, you know, the ones that are working here. Um, And that was the, I mean, the idea behind the state and the federal system was that the states could be those laboratories of democracy, right? And so, um, no, it's really great to see that, see that happening. So, all right, let's go, let's go here. Do you have, all right, so right now it looks like, so you're up to 28. So folks who want to see one through 27, they have to keep coming back to this page, right? They got to keep updating it. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So which,
1: we upload it every day. So do
0: you have a favorite one?
1: <laughs> well, I could tell you what the crowd favorite is. We can oh, talk about okay. that one first and then we'll, and then we'll talk about the, my favorite. So the crowd okay. favorite what, has been number, number 62, 62. And, All right.
0: Let's scroll down to 62.
1: Yeah. Um, It's to great. create a Missouri dining directory to support local restaurants. Wow. Okay. And so, you know, if I kind of, thought about this Uh one as I'm sure you did when you're driving around Missouri and you're on 70 typically or whatever highway you're on and you're like, oh my God, I need a coffee because I'm about ready to fall asleep when I'm driving (laughs) or I'm hungry. And since I recently switched to a uh, plant-based diet, Uh I can't just, you know, go anywhere. Uh So the idea was, well, oh my gosh, what if there was an app And it would tell you where all the local mom and pop restaurants are along your way because I think people want to support their local small businesses, especially during a time of COVID, right? And so also more people are taking vacations closer to home. I think more people Mm -hmm. are more likely to get in their car, drive to the lake or drive somewhere to Branson or wherever in the state as opposed to getting on an airplane you know, fly across the country with their family. So this just seemed a win-win. And so many people have, have responded that that is such a great idea. And actually, I was on a, a Zoom forum with some students at Missouri S&T in Ralla last mm-hmm. week. And one of them asked me about this idea. And they're like, well, how can the treasure make that happen? And I said, well, you guys go to a school called Science and Technology. And I think people your age, also known as kids, but I try not to call them kids, um That you guys just, like, make apps. You can just, like, make apps. That's what you guys do, right? So why not have a contest, right? Why not have an app contest sponsored by the Treasurer's Office, have students from around the state submit their apps when we pick one, and then awesome, right? Or we have can also have interns in the treasurer's office. I have a lot of ideas for interns. I did a lot of internships when I was in college. I interned for Dick Gebhardt's office when he was the majority leader back um, right after the flood of 93 during the NAFTA debate. I interned at um, a public policy research institute when I did a semester abroad in Brussels. I interned with uh, Stateside Associates, which is a state legislative monitoring firm. So I also want to integrate mm-hmm. the students and in these internships with a lot of implementation of these ideas.
0: Yeah. No, that's, that's really, what I mean, this is, this is great. I mean, I, so I was, I I was an intern with the attorney general's office before eventually working there as an assistant attorney general. Um, I I mean, just, just the the experience and the opportunity to be able to do that and making sure that those internships are accessible to more people, I think is, it's such a good way to get more folks involved in our government. Um, especially folks who unfortunately, oftentimes aren't really represented very well. but it's a really good entry point for so many folks. Um, to see it, you know, I think of a friend of mine who I went to law school with, and he came, he was actually a musician before um, from d c, and he came. Uh, to be, you know, he got, he got screwed over in some deal or something that was some music deal. And he was like, I'm never going to let that happen again. I'm going to go to law school and figure this thing out. And he interned with the public defender's office and dropped everything. Now he's a public defender and he's just totally dedicated to doing that. But it was because he had that opportunity to intern, um, with, with a government entity that, that changed his life. And he saw, he saw what it, it could be instead. So. Um, you know, obviously yeah. those experiences are important. Yeah. yeah. Um, and no, this app, the other idea. One we is, about. Is, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you, you go ahead. The app idea. You yeah. I love, I love the app idea. It's something that I, I'm, you know, uh, when I was talking about what the attorney general's office could do, um, you know, the, the idea of an app came up a lot in order to kind of streamline what our government's doing for that. It, it was more, uh, it was it was not as nice as this. That one was more if you have a complaint about something and you want to report a consumer protection complaint, then you could go ahead and do it. But, you know, it, it's interesting. It seems like Missouri state government doesn't have too many ways for folks to plug in using the technology that's been readily available for a while, but that's out there, doesn't have too many ways for folks to plug in where we are right now. Um, you know, with, with these kinds of services. And I mean, I think this, this goes even, I mean, this connects, uh, not only, I mean, it's, uh, the us with our government, but also with small businesses here in Missouri to promote Missouri business. I think it's, I think this is a good idea.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I hope so. And, and, you know, the whole part of Missouri government and modernizing it, I found when I was a legislator mm. is like you said, you, you, There aren't a lot of ways to plug in because when you have a plug to put into the Missouri side of that relationship, they are so outdated. I mean, pick a department. It is so outdated. I mean, there's so much um, updating that needs to happen, and that's going to take money. And the way that the Republicans have tax cuts to give all the money back and they talk about running government like a business Running a business means you need to have revenue in order to pay your bills and keep your business going. So if you don't have the revenue mm-hmm. uh, to keep the state going, you're going to fall behind and get further and further away from the people because you can't interact with them. Yeah. And that, you know, that's an ongoing concern.
0: Yeah. It's uh, running it like a business that's trying to run itself into the ground. So, um, right. yeah. And that's unfortunately where we are in a lot of the different departments we have. Um, okay, great. So this was, this was crowd, crowd favorite, which I mean, this would be very helpful. I think for a lot of folks is where can you find food in Missouri? So that's number 62 idea. Number 62 on the website. All right. You said Mm -hmm. you were promised that you promised you were going to send, uh, direct us to your favorite.
1: So number 48 48, uh, has to do with Um, Some issues that, you know, we we talk about Missouri a lot of times as being a red state, although if you see the polls recently, you will know we are only two points. uh, Nicole is only two points behind Governor Parsons, so we are not as glowing red right now as Mm -hmm. what our history has told us over the past decade. Um, But just because a Republican says they support family farms, unless you actually look at their voting record— You know they may not necessarily be telling the truth. So this particular item has to talks about the foreign ownership of farmland, and we're both sitting, you know, in St. Louis County. We're like, what the heck does that mean? Well, what it means is that there was a bill that I voted on and my opponent voted on back in 2013, and for the first time in Missouri's history, it was going to allow foreign companies to actually own Missouri farmland. So like the real estate land that the farm is on. And this was done because Smithfield Farms was a company in Virginia uh, wanted to have a plant in Missouri and they wanted their Chinese subsidiary to own that. And so I voted against it because it didn't seem like a good idea to me. My opponent voted for it. So now up to one percent of all Missouri farmland can be owned by a foreign foreign company. Um, And if you Google it, you will find that this is happening all over the United States. It's happening in places that are near military bases. And when you're going through, I don't know, a global pandemic, for example, you do not want a foreign country messing with the food supply of your state. Mm -hmm. So um, when I did this research and found out that You know, my opponent and I were different on this issue. I also found out that then two years later in 2015, when I was out of the legislature, my opponent voted for it again. And then he got a couple thousand dollars in campaign contributions. So to me, that's not someone supporting America or Missouri or Family Farms. So we have a video um, that you could play. It basically is the focus of our targeted campaign right now when we're doing our virtual plan. And it's targeted to let rural Missouri know exactly what's happening on this issue and why they should care, why the treasurer that runs the finances of the state should not be in favor of the foreign ownership of farmland. It's a a big deal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. This is, you You are uh, making history on the podcast because you're the first guest to bring a video for show and tell. So this is exciting. Okay. So wait, so I can go to the video. I click the link here and it will take me there.
1: Um, It says My Opponent. My Opponent. Yeah, okay.
0: I'm going to click it. Let's find out.
1: Missouri farms are important to our state. Then why would Scott Fitzpatrick sell our farms to a foreign country? Fitzpatrick voted to allow foreign ownership of farmland for the first time in Missouri's history. And then he doubled down and voted a second time, this time in exchange for campaign contributions. Vicky England voted to keep Missouri farmland owned by American farmers. Vicky supports Missouri farms and understands how to get Missouri's economy back on track. Vote Vicky England for Missouri State Treasurer. I'm Vicky England and I approve this message.
0: Uh, all right. So that, so that's, that's, you've got that ad going right now. Is that, is that ad out there?
1: Yep, it is.
0: Well, it is. All right. So folks, folks are, can expect to see you on TV pretty soon, huh?
1: Well, I mean, it's, it's targeted, uh, and I don't want to give too much of my strategy away, of but course, it's targeted yeah, right. to rural voters. Gotcha. So you right. can see that if you're a rural voter and if you are, you know, possibly a Republican rural voter or maybe independent or someone, you know, who needs to know that information for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, um, I mean, it's a, it's a very big issue in so many ways. Um, and you mentioned Smithfield and Smithfield has caused, uh, quite a few problems in Missouri, um, on, on different fronts, uh, recently too. Cause I mean, we, we've, we've talked a bit about COVID-19 and, and how that's your office, the, the office of the treasurer would be involved, um, but I mean, during, during when this was all going on, there were a lot of plants, and, and there were ones that were having outbreaks, and there was a big discussion about that. The food supply right here in Missouri, in Smithfield, was one that was criticized heavily by workers there, and has been for years um, for not treating workers well. And when you cram people in, and they're tired, and they're they're trying to get their hours in, uh, people were getting sick, and we had a few plants there was. Uh, The Triumph plant plant in uh, St. Joe that had uh, an outbreak there, and uh, lots lots of issues as a result of that. And unfortunately, not much work by the government in Missouri, state government before or even really much after um, all that happening. There was some testing that was eventually done, thank goodness, um, to try to direct some of that and some safety repercussions that were put in some of the protocols that were eventually put in place. But um, yeah Smithfield has been uh, a big player in Missouri politics even after their sale to China and right now is still uh, donating substantial sums of money to uh, folks in our government. and'm uh, I'm not I'm not really uh, I guess that you got some you know the American subsidiary or something, and that's how they're able to to justify and, and make that legal. but uh, foreign donations normally are not permitted in uh in our 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 government and our pol- political system but i suppose if uh you're a big corporation and can afford a bunch of lawyers you can find a way around that so um no it's it's good to see that you're highlighting that issue um yeah one that hopefully gets talked about a lot more because a lot of family farms especially are suffering as a result of of these big corporate monopolies uh that have really dominated a lot of agriculture throughout the country so um might, my, my take but <laughs> <laughs> went on a little bit. So, okay. Well, that's, that's cool. You know, I, you know, I wonder, cause we've got, we have some folks who, um, you know, are watching this and, and some folks who uh, are younger and maybe want to get involved in politics at some point and are interested in like, you know, the nitty gritty of how this stuff happens. So, um, you know, when, when, I guess when you're you're kind of thinking about uh, these issues, right? You've got all these issues on, on the website right now, a whole ton of them, and you know this is one that you you really do want to uh, get out there, right? It's a message you want to get out there. Hopefully, then people come and they look you up and they see all these other ideas and they're like, "Oh, that, that Vicky sounds great. Yeah, I want to vote for her." Um, what? Uh, in, in I guess in this case, like in your in your thought and your strategy and in, in how you're, you're kind of getting all of this stuff set up. What made you think, Hey, this is one that I really want to highlight, um, out of all of these different ideas that you've got up here. Obviously, if you could, if we had unlimited money, all of them would be out there all the time, but well, um, you don't
1: have unlimited money. I totally have unlimited money. Oh, well, all, well
0: then what are you doing? Like, why is this the one? <laughs> why is that the only one? But, but yeah, no, seriously. Like why, why was that the issue that you thought, um, would one, Represent yourself to other folks really well, but also speak to other people in a way that could, could draw a lot of folks in.
1: Sure. So this is actually my 10th competitive election that I've run in in my life. And so one of the most important things, and I, talked, I touched on this a little bit when I talked about politicians coming up with a solution uh, without a problem. When you're running for office, you know you can think of all these things that you're passionate about. Uh, I happen to be a crafter. I love sewing, I love knitting, and I love making things with my hands, and I love recycling items and upcycling them. And it's very important to me that that resources are not wasted and they are reused as much as possible. Mm-hmm. If I then thought that that was the number one issue that people in Missouri also agreed with, I could have had my whole campaign been around recycling. Mm. And while it's a great thing to do, it's not necessarily a good way of running your, your campaign. Your campaign is like a small business. It seems like everything's like a small business. So in order to run an effective campaign, you really need to do a poll. You know, you may, and I've done this with all of my other campaigns, um, except school board and this one, because I didn't, the, the money um, wasn't there due to COVID, mm. but and also polling in this environment is tricky because there's a lot of stuff going on in people's right. lives. But typically what you want to do is you want to do that poll. And when you poll, you typically will do things like, look, I think the most important thing about me is that I'm a mother who's uh, from South County when I was a state rep, from South County, just like you, just like you voters in South County. So you you typically would poll test messages you want to say about yourself Messages you want to say good things about yourself, bad things about yourself, good things about your opponent, and bad things about your opponent. And so, and you're also testing issues, right? You want to know, you know, we had some issues in, in South St. Louis County back in the day that had to do with trash collection, and it was a big deal. Um, South Countyans could not choose their own trash provider. The county was trying to consolidate, and so I need a poll test to figure out number one, if people cared. And number two, if they cared enough to to vote one way or the other. So that's typically what you would do is do a poll. Now, in this race, we didn't have the money to do a poll. And like you said, the treasurer's office is kind of one of those things that, you know, nobody knows about anyway. So it's hard to say, what is the most pressing treasure issue you have when you call people? So what we did is we actually were donated a poll from the Missouri Party, Missouri Democratic Party. And that poll information is what we use to form the basis for what issues we wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. And the number one issue on that poll was the foreign ownership of farmland. Mm-hmm. 95% of Republicans polled, and this was just a rural, a rural rural, poll of Democrats, Republicans, and independents, but clearly it skewed more toward Republicans and independents. And the poll, 95% of, of Republicans hated the foreign ownership of farmland. of independents hated that issue too. And so I thought, well, you know, that's an interesting issue. I remember voting on that. So when I looked it up and found out that my opponent who had voted for it twice, actually he voted against it the time I voted. And then by veto session, he changed his mind and voted for it, which Uh we couldn't quite fit that in the commercial. Um, So when I figured out that this was, number one, very important to the voters Because as a suburban girl, how am I going to (laughs) know what's important (laughs) to all all Missourians unless I ask them? Right. So when you find out that this issue is important and you have a record that supports that same issue and your opponent has done not just once voted against it, but twice voted against it and took money to do it, that's kind of what made it the most important. So... And getting back to your question about, you know, running for office, so it's, it was all data driven. You know, there are very few decisions that you should make in a campaign that you don't have the data behind it to tell you. Because that, um, I think that's, you're spending money, right? Like, we're spending money on these ads. And as much as I would like to have an ad out about, hey, Vicky's great. She loves to craft and make things with her hands. And doesn't she make cool things out of ties? Uh, you know, as much as I would like to talk about myself in those things, that's, not what the voters care about. And it's not really why they would vote for me to be their treasurer. So it's Mm. data driven for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it does. I think, I think it's so dependent on the office too. Right. I think you're so right. Like for offices that folks don't know as much about, you know, if you, they might, you know, maybe people won't spend as much time initially at least with the more biographical pieces or, or, you know, whatever it is. But then if you, if you say this thing that is really on, on someone's mind and you're able to attach that to the importance of that office um, you know, then all of a sudden you're, you're creating folks who are more informed and, and more interested in what you, what you have to say after that. So.
1: Um, well, and you have to break through all that, mm-hmm. all the other campaign ads you see, right? Right. I mean, I've run for office during presidential years and during non presidential years. And the benefit of running during a presidential year is everybody's paying attention, right? You have people, uh, when, when I would win my races in my state rep district, there would be about 16,000 people total who would vote in that state. And I would get about some votes and she would get about 7,000. Mm-hmm. Well, when I ran in off years, there was a total of about between 10, right around 10, 9 or 10,000 people who voted. And so you're talking about completely different math, right? And so the benefit of not running, of running in the off years when there weren't a lot of other elections going on is people would be able to see your stuff because there's not a president, there's not governor, there's not any other statewide office, there might be a senator. But then the downside is nobody really knows there's an election.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, they're
1: not they're not accustomed to voting every two years. and the presidential side, everyone and their brother is going to go to the polls, right? <laughs> but it's just harder to break through all, you know, we, we also live in the second congressional district, right? So we've got a lot of Jill Shoup and, and Ann Wagner ads. And you also have to think, okay, we try to do a contrasting um, ad because I didn't want it to be super doom and gloom mm-hmm. because – Oh, my gosh, the things you're saying about Jill Shoup, like yeah. are super doom and gloom and not even true. So there's also that. I wanted it to be a truthful a truthful comparative uh, ad.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's nice. you have like the little citations at the bottom so folks can go look it up if they want to. but uh, yeah, unfortunately, um, I think if folks do look into this issue around foreign ownership of land and if they look into where those donations are coming from, where they're going, uh, they're gonna find right now. Uh, maybe to their surprise that um, some folks who are representing them right now, especially in rural Missouri, um, for lack of a better term, are on the take and are are really not serving uh, their interests. At least in that area, maybe there's something else that they agree with them on, but uh, that one is um, does not seem to be uh, one of them. So um, we did have a, a few questions that have come in so far, so do want to get to those. Uh, one of them. Uh, I might have to answer one of them, but the other one, the other one I think you're going to have to answer that one. So, um, John asks, uh, and it's not a dumb question, John, this is a great question. Uh, one of the questions that we have is, is the pandemic, um, let's see if I can get this up on the screen too, um, uh, move that around a little bit. So yeah, John says, uh, is the pandemic having an effect in our state budget?
1: Well, I would say absolutely yes. Um, Part of the problem, too, is, you know, there are a lot of schools throughout Missouri. And one of the reasons, another idea of the the 100 ideas uh, has to do with rural broadband access. And so because we don't have rural broadband access all over the state, it's not as though the students that are in rural parts of Missouri and even some suburban parts, uh, to be honest with you, they have to go to school physically. And since there are a lot of parts of our state that don't actually think COVID's a thing for whatever reason, um, this, the money spent to try to keep those kids safe at school you're talking about extra staff people to clean. You're talking about, um, you know, precautions. Trying to split the days up so only maybe half the kids in the school go on one day and half the kids go on another day. So you're the busing. I mean, everything about schools has to be changed. So there's increased costs for that. And when you're talking about kids in schools, it's not just the kids that are carriers or potential carriers of COVID. Um, It's the teachers and the cafeteria staff and the bus drivers and the administrators. So those are the folks that are typically at a higher risk than the kids themselves. Uh, If they should get it, they have a higher risk of of having symptoms. Um, And, you know, a lot of people were also, because the taxes, because the tax due date was moved from April 15th to July 15th, um, the state still had money that they needed to spend during those four months. So um, there was some CARES Act funding used by the treasurer as a temporary way to start paying some of that those um, tax checks back. So there's some manipulation of funds that needs to happen. Uh, but from a long-term perspective, when people are unemployed, they're not paying, paying employment tax. They're not paying income tax um and i was talking to someone in the hotel industry a couple days ago and he said look when people aren't coming for tourism to the hotels and the hotels have to shut down whatever lender is owed money by that hotel um they're not getting paid right. so if the businesses can't pay their lenders the businesses also can't pay their taxes Right. And so we're going to have a lot of businesses not being able to pay their real estate taxes. And when that happens, then the state puts fines um, on the businesses, which they're still not going to be able to pay. So we kind of have, you know, there's we have some immediate destruction of the budget right now. Mm-hmm. But the longer-term effects of having so many people unemployed and so many businesses not making revenue, um, that problem is going to start hitting in probably second quarter of next year. And it, it's... Um, when you when you don't know what your revenue is going to be for a state, it's very hard to plan your budget.
0: Right, right, yeah. Uh, we've seen some of the uh, withholdings already being done. Some of those have been released to some degree, but um, yeah, it's it's had a, a very significant impact. And uh, I mean, you mentioned rural broadband, but uh, yeah, that's uh, I think we're seeing again in a very clear way uh, what has happened because our we really haven't invested. And infrastructure and so many of the things we probably we, we certainly should have been doing up to this point. And uh, it's left, unfortunately, a lot of folks pretty vulnerable, especially in areas that our government continues to ignore over and over again. Um, and rural broadband uh, is certainly one, especially with what's happening in, in schools right now. Um, so yeah, John, great question. Not dumb question. We don't have dumb questions on the show. Okay. Every once in a while, we no. that one was no
1: dumb answers. There <laughs> no. are no dumb questions. There can definitely be dumb answers. Yeah, That's yeah. What we've my we've had
0: some of those on here, don't you? <laughs> Mostly from me, but yeah. You know. uh, all right. Let's see. We've got some questions about um, the, the ballot changes. And yeah, that was one that for those of you who follow me on social media, I was uh, uh, very much uh, into, but um one of these let's see from Patterson Missouri great all right Put it on the broadcast um what about the attorney general having the mail in ballots having to be delivered to the polls instead of being mailed in so that was a, a was a little bit different uh we've got an interesting voting system right now in Missouri so okay look if you, if you want to vote you should vote everybody should vote whether you want to or not just go vote go do it if you can do it it's not that difficult to do. Unfortunately, we're getting a lot of confusing messages and you see these charts and you can get a little overwhelmed. And you know, I put out these charts to try to make it easier for folks. And I hear from some people, it's like, wow, this is really overwhelming. It's not. Okay. You can vote and you can go do it. You can do it right now. In fact, at your local election authority. So I know it's, we're not on election day yet, but you can vote absentee uh, you can do that in person. You go to your local election authority. There's resources that I can share on the website and everything. I've done that many times on here, and we've got folks who come in. Uh, but you can also vote by mail. Uh, and there are two ways to do that. There's one called absentee voting. Everybody's familiar with that one. But you have to choose one of these seven different excuses. And you have to you know, expect that one of those will be true uh, on election day. If, it's not, if it ends up not being true, that's okay. As long as the day that you decide this is the excuse that works for me, you expected it. That was what was going to happen. So you can vote absentee. You can do that by mail. You can also do that in person right now. You can do that and request it by mail and then have it come in, and then you can turn it in in person. All good. During this whole COVID-19 crisis, there was a, a little bit of a change that was made to allow anybody in Missouri to vote without having an excuse, and to do that by mail. So that way not everybody would have to go to the polls. We would reduce the number of folks who'd have to be there. You could do it at home safely. If you had uh, an issue or or something else, whatever it was, you can go ahead and do it. Um, And those were called mail-in ballots. So you have absentee ballots that can also be mailed in, and then you had mail-in ballots that could only be mailed in So unlike the absentee ballot where you'd have to go and uh, you could choose, after you're done, you could choose to turn it in in person or you could choose to put it in the mail, mail mail-in ballots had to go back through the mail. Obviously, as you might be thinking right now, well, what if I got confused about which one I had that wanted to drop it off or whatever it was? So yeah, so there was a lawsuit and that lawsuit uh, went to a federal court and a federal judge just yesterday said, you know what? That is confusing. I'm not sure why there's a distinction there. So, uh, no, you can go ahead and drop off your mail-in ballot, too, especially if, you know, you're getting very close to the deadline. Go ahead and drop it off. What's the big deal? So that's what the federal judge said. Um, unfortunately, within minutes of him saying that, our current Secretary of State, who seemed to kind of not like how this— like, he thought it was confusing, too, and was complaining about it, all of a sudden puts out this statement— about how this is a terrible ruling and I want the attorney general to immediately appeal it. Well, he immediately appealed it. And, uh, so now the secretary of state and the attorney general are arguing that you should not be able to drop your mail in ballot off in person because there's some safety and security issue with you doing it yourself. In pro- yeah. So that's the face that I was making all day yesterday. Uh, and, uh, uh, oh, so for, you
1: know how you fix all this? You
0: know how you fix how, it? How do you fix all of this? Tell people
1: me. People who are watching us politicians are like, you guys are all the same. You just make mm-hmm. stuff crazy and you make it difficult. Mm-hmm. And that way you guys are the only ones that know what's going on. Well, this is the thing. You have to vote the bad guys out. <laughs> that's my secret of the day. Like I served in, in Jefferson city. I know what it's like working with the other party. Now there are bills that I've passed in a bipartisan fashion and that's great. And that's good. But at the end of the day, if you don't have someone sitting in that chair, representing you who mm-hmm. understands that voting is voting, then you have no right to complain about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like We, we. the other reason I'm running for state treasurer, and I could touch on this, is because I've seen the Democratic Party disintegrate over Mm -hmm. the last decade. And I've seen us not recruit candidates to run all over the state. And when you don't have a Democrat running in your state house or state senate seat, then rural Missouri looks at you like, well, where are you? You forgot us. Why do I not have a Democrat to vote for on my ballot? So I'm already recruiting candidates to run in 2022. Um, if you are interested, please go to vickianglin.com and send me a message. But mm-hmm. the way we build this back is by getting people in there. And guess what? There are term limits. So right. these seats come up as an open seat, which is easier to win in an open seat because you're not running against the incumbent, all the time. And we know it's predictable when that seat's going to come up. So. We just have to work smarter and not harder. We also work harder anyway, but the the Republicans have done a much better job of building their bench. They've done a much better job of putting people in place so that when districts get redrawn, like mine was, they can kick me out of my district. So Mm. these are the, if, if you're confused by this and you think, why can't they just pass something that's sane? It's because they're trying to protect their own little fiefdom and it makes them feel important to go to Jeff city. So we need to elect people like you who are watching. I'm I'm always happy to talk to people about what exactly running for office is like, especially running for state rep. Uh, a lot knows that, Him and I had a lot of discussions about that. But it's not rocket science. It's you have to have be passionate, and you have to have the tools um, in order to reach voters. Um, but this is what we have to do. It's what the people of Missouri deserve. They don't deserve a bunch of guys sitting around keeping their own worlds secure and tight and not, you know, talking to people. They, they, that power uh, that they think they have is all that they want. So if you want to help people, I don't know, protect the right to vote and make it easy and simple, we have to get more Democrats elected. That, it's just how, that's how our system works. And we're going to have a blue wave. I don't know if I told you that a lot. There's a blue wave coming. It's coming. And so when it gets here on November 3rd, yeah. There are going to be so many people like, oh, my gosh, I want to be a politician now because, look, Democrats can win in a red state.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So the time is now. That's what I'm just – that's all I'm saying. I'm
0: just yeah. saying the time is and now. I mean it's just – it's so – you know, in Missouri, it's become so skewed towards one side. So, I mean you might be a Republican watching right now, and in fact we've had Republicans on our show before, uh, including folks who work in this local election space and who want to see reforms. They want to see changes. They know that this is bad, and it could be so much better, and they've been calling for that for a long time, and, in fact, did that right here with this audience that was watching, and, uh, and th- you don't see that change because there isn't enough balance in that government right now, um, and uh, certainly that would bring a lot of very important changes uh, overall. So, yeah, so I hope, you know, for folks who are watching Whoever you are, um, you know, really consider that, oh, well, maybe I didn't know a Democrat thought this or uh, maybe I didn't know that a Republican thinks that some things need to be changed because the other ones are telling me it doesn't and this is the way they want it to stay. So, you know, I mean, that's part of part of the idea is to uh, have more access to folks, uh, wonderful folks who are running like Vicky and so many of the other people we've had on. Um, said so you can ask your questions and you can really drill down to see uh, who these folks are and, and why they should get your vote so um, i think he's a good one my view, my personal one, but Vicki, we're, we're at the end of the show. On the screen, so. We're at the, we're at the end of the show. We visited your website and everybody can go. It's at Vicki Uh So you can find the hundred ideas and we're promised uh, uh, 27 more. So that's exciting. But Vicki, uh, <laughs> is there anything that you would like to leave us with here in our final minutes?
1: So, If anybody's feeling anxiety about COVID and we're not really sure how we're going to get through um, the COVID situation we're in, right, Um, I think pouring your energy into something that makes you feel like you're contributing to the common good is a way to help get us through this. Um, And when I say get us through this, I mean get us through a place to where we have a vaccine Uh, that has been tested and scientifically certified um, so that we can get back to quote unquote normal life, right? Uh, For me, that passion is running for office and helping other people run for office. Uh, When I feel like there's not a whole lot I can do to help my community, I make five more fundraising calls. I talk to five more voters. I focus more on the concrete things I can do every single day to help us get closer to Um, are normal. So I want to thank you for everything you're doing, let you know that we'll get through this. I don't think we have enough leaders in our government right now to look you directly in the eye and say, it's going to be okay. We're going through a tough time right now, but we will get to the other side. And so I want to just encourage you to keep your family safe. I want to encourage you to vote because at the end of the day, that's the number one thing you can do uh, to help us get our state and our economy back on track. Mm.
0: Well, folks, uh, Vicki Englund, candidate for Missouri State Treasurer. Vicki, thanks for coming on.
1: Thank you, Alad. It's Absolutely. been great.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for joining us on the Alad Pod. You can participate in future town halls and see all of our past ones at AladGross.live. You can reach me there too, and I'd love to hear your ideas. For now, this is Alad Gross and I'll see you on the next Allod Pod.